Welcome to Woke and Wired, a new conversation about expanded consciousness and entrepreneurship. Hey guys, welcome back to Woke and Wired podcast, where we talk about social media, entrepreneurship, intuitive wisdom, intuitive business, all in one place. This week, I have Arana Leah as my guest. She's an emotional health advocate, speaker, and author, yoga and ritual wellness teacher, and the author and co-creator of The Moon Deck, which is probably the most beautiful oracle deck I have ever seen and consistently use, as you might have seen on my stories on Breakfast Criminals Instagram. So... This episode is split into two parts. It's a very special one. And in it, we talk about so many things from intuitive business and combining your feminine wisdom with your masculine wisdom and navigating the world as an emotionally sensitive person, going through grief and resentment, ritualizing emotional health, and how the idea of the moon deck was born out of Arana's personal healing journey and transformational journey and being an artist and how she took it from this idea and turned it into a successful business that's global and growing. We talk about the cycles of womanhood, about social media, about comparing yourself to other people on social media and how to really own your worth and she also shares how running an Indiegogo campaign put her moon deck idea into business by raising $50,000. We talk about working smarter, not harder. And Arana shares her advice on running a business with a partner and maintaining healthy relationships with people that you work with. So this is just a little glimpse. We talk about so many more things. And to give you more of a background about Arana, she is inspired by 23 years of yoga, 14 years as a yoga teacher and wellness advisor. She used to be a professional photographer and has a bachelor's degree in it. Arana started her healing journey as a child and she had a natural pull towards spirit and magic early on. It helped her feel safe and connected during unstable times. Her curiosity led her on a lifelong path of study practice and ritual where she explored the shadowy depths of healing trauma She recovered from bulimia and chronic binge eating cycles and continues to help normalize conversations around emotional health. She's influenced by several yoga traditions and personal development roadmaps. And all of those paths have led her to one of self-love, purpose, and ritual, which is exactly what she does now through her work leading events leading yoga classes, and offering private and group intuitive oracle readings with the moon decks. Enjoy this episode, and if it makes you feel woke, share it online, and tune in to part two. It's going to be uploaded right at the same time with this one, so you're not missing out on anything. And as always, I appreciate your subscribe and reviews on iTunes if you enjoy this podcast, and share it with a friend who might benefit from listening to this fresh and inspiring and intuitive perspective on being a woke human in this digital entrepreneurial world. Thank you for being here with me. 
Guys, I am so excited to welcome Arana on Woken Wired Podcast. We have been Instagram friends for many, many years. And just last month in New York, we got to meet in person. And Arana came over. We had some cacao. We had a business brainstorm. I laid out some moon deck cards. And it was so magical to just see this virtual relationship fruit into reality. And hopefully this is a reminder for you that if you're really vibing with someone online, reach out to them and ask them out for a matcha or coffee or whatever it is. So, Arana, I'm excited to take our non-virtual relationship to the next level with this interview on the podcast. Me too. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it was so much fun to come to your place and look at crystals and drink cacao and meet you in person. And I agree that Instagram has been a pretty amazing portal to kind of court special friends and then meet in person and feel just as close or just as supported as we do online. So thanks. Exactly. And something about you that I didn't know from our online back and forth, but realized very quickly as soon as we met in person was how open you are and how much business wisdom you have that does come from intuitive place and whatever you call it, divine guidance place. And so I'm excited to talk about this. But before we dive into that world, I'm going to read out loud your Instagram bio and you're going to listen to it and tell me what it is that you actually do on a day-to-day basis. Does that sound good? Sure. Okay, so Arana's Instagram is arana.leah. I'm going to link it in the show notes if you guys want to connect and check it out. And it says, author and co-creator of The Moon Deck, yoga and meditation teacher, ritualizing emotional health. For personal guidance and oracle readings, go to aranalia.com. Sounds pretty cool, especially ritualizing emotional health. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. (laughs) So you want to hear about emotional health first? Sure. Let's do that. Great. So for me, that definitely is a wide umbrella that includes spiritual health, mental health, emotional health. And I have always been a very, very deep feeler. I've always been pretty highly sensitive. And on one hand, I think I intuitively knew how to live in that way and function in that way because it was who I was as a child as well. And on the other hand, I had to, and I still am, learning how to really be in that in a way that feels completely empowered and in a way that feels like I can still be free in myself. And, and, And now at this point, I have a lot of that. And that's where the moon deck came out of and all the other work that I've done But yeah, I think in some ways, people I know who are on the more highly sensitive side or more deeply emotional or feel things in a very visceral way weren't always taught how to navigate the world that way because it's not exactly the world we live in. Luckily, we're seeing a lot of that now. And in our world of work, of course, it's, it's sort of everywhere. So for me, emotional health is a willingness to cultivating emotional health is a willingness to show up on a regular basis. For me, I have to show up every day, even if I'm just doing it for a few minutes a day to come home to my body, to feel a little moment of peace in my mind. And I believe that for ultimate emotional health, that's something we need to do. And that can look really different for different people. And then of course, working on our inner dialogue is a big piece of that. That is a mental health piece, but I feel like the thoughts and feelings I feel inside can escalate in various directions if I'm not present to what's happening or present to the the power that those thoughts carry or 
the power that that inner dialogue can carry. And so that's been a huge journey for me. And again, is still a journey. And where the moon deck was born from is slowing down enough to catch the habits in which I speak to myself and the habits in which I speak to the world internally, judging, projection, the, the ways that I would maybe treat myself. I saw that happening outwardly in the world. And so it was something I wanted to clean up per se and practicing slowing down enough inside that we can catch those thoughts is such a huge practice. And so that's where that daily ritual comes in, just having that moment of pause, whether it's sitting or writing with the fluctuations of life, this becomes a little window of time that we can trust every single day, even though everything else around us might be spinning. And in that space, we cultivate that ability to slow down, to pause so that we can start to lead ourselves in a different way than what our old habits might have been doing that we're born from, whether it's trauma or growing up in a certain society or, you know, just even primal instincts that might kick in as we grow up or ways that we were taught to see the world or view ourselves or whether or not we felt empowered to ask for what we needed growing up. There's so many variables that can shape that inner dialogue. And then that inner dialogue I think shapes our perception of the world. So it's it's cool. I think once you really get into those practices that start to strengthen that bond with ourselves, like really create a more intimate relationship with ourselves, which requires looking at the full spectrum, being brave enough to look at our own reflection, even if it makes us flinch sometimes, and then doing the work necessary to like, ah, oh, I could have done that better. I'd like to show up in an evolved version of myself and and that will show up in experiences and challenges and loved ones reflecting things back to us in our own awareness of repetitious habits that aren't feeling good anymore. It's a journey and it's a work in progress. And I think that all it takes is for us to have a sincere willingness to consistently show up. And it's not about perfection. It's just the sincerity that we bring to the practice or the sincerity that we bring to the prayer or whatever it is. I, I really believe that it's the sincerity more than anything else and, and that it's okay to make mistakes along the way and we learn from them. And that's part of that inner dialogue as well as making a mistake and then learning not to judge ourselves for it. That's a big one. It's huge. It's so huge. And we don't even notice we're doing it because it's so ingrained. You know, I'm mm -hmm. starting to see that more now and being able to catch it and slow down. But it's definitely been, it's a big practice. I mean, I feel like it's a bigger practice than anything we'll ever do on our yoga mat. It's like that practice just helps us get back into our body and feel strong and flexible enough and like really take care of the, the temple of our spirit so that we can have more awareness and more consciousness and more breath in these other moments of life. What is your personal process on doing that and working with that voice? I mean, some days are better than others, honestly. <laughs> and my personal process is has really transformed in particular in the last couple of years. And we can go into why in a little bit. But, you know, I've been into this work my whole life, I would say. As a child, I was I had a pretty natural curiosity towards spirituality and kind of otherworldly ways of seeing things. And then eventually at 19, I discovered yoga more formally um, and meditation. And then it, it kind of, you know, for the last 22 years have been doing that and then eventually became a teacher of yoga. And then now it's my full profession in various expressions. And so I feel for me, what started as sort of survival became a, a passion, a deep curiosity, and then my profession. And it's just as important, whether it's 
profession or passion or survival that I still stay in my practices because probably similar to you, my, my lifestyle and my spiritual practice and my career are so intermingled that if one's off, it affects the other. So for me, it's a daily meditation practice and that can look a little different. I'm back in my silent sit now because I've been craving that, but I was doing a Kundalini Kriya, like a 40 day commitment. I did a couple of those in a row that felt amazing. That was prescribed to me by my good friend, Myra Penaloza. I was sharing with her some things going on in my life and she's like, you need to do this. And it just felt like a big yes in my body. So So I'll switch it up between sort of Kriya vibe meditations into silent meditations into some mantra work. I have my altar. I'm a huge altar person. I feel like the more I sit with it, the more it swells into something really beautiful. And it just kind of feels like my little cozy nook, like a little campfire for my my spirit. So working with my altar, taking care of it as a part of my practice, not I don't have to clean it every day, but definitely you know, I go through a cycle where I need to clean it and reorganize it so that it feels on point with whatever I'm working on in my life. And then the daily is like the meditation. Usually that's a silent sit for anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. Maybe there's a little Kriya writing or Oracle card work in there, working with the moon deck, of course. And then I have some other decks that I love as well that I use. And I love coffee. That's part of my morning ritual as well. With er- I mix it with herbs lately, actually. I, I put it in a French press and I add oat straw, dried rose, lemon balm, and horsetail. And I just like sprinkle a quarter of that in there. So that's become like a ritual. Do you make your own mix of those herbs or do you buy a pre-made mixture? I make my own mix. I have like big bags from Mountain Rose Herbs. And I, you know, whenever the jar gets empty, I refill it with my herbs. How did you choose those specific ones? You know, I didn't choose those specifically to go with coffee. I just sort of tried it one day and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really good. (laughs) And I chose those originally for immune system support, basically. And I also just love rose. I was doing an online workshop for the moon deck and it called for creating rose water, which is one of the rituals in the moon deck. And so I bought a massive bag of roses for that and I knew I would use it. So that's kind of how I got that. And then, yeah, lemon balm is, is really good for nervous system and immune support nettles as well plus like good for oh did I say nettles maybe it was horsetail both of those are are good for hair and skin I just feel like all those herbs are really good for immune system generally speaking as I'm sure you know and so that's I think the initial thing was the roses for the ritual that I was working on for a workshop online and then the other ones are for immune support I just went into my office to pick up some rose essential oil to put on my heart and I also picked up my moon deck which oh, is cool. hands down my favorite deck. We have a lot of decks in this house, but Moon Deck has always been, for me, the most beautiful one and the one that I connect with the most. I love Doreen Virtue. I have a lot of decks from her. And at the same time, there's just something about the Moon Deck that feels more modern and relevant. It's like, I know that Moon Deck has an Instagram account, so they get me on a level more personal than Doreen kind of a thing, you know? Totally. But the first card that came up as I opened up my box is I forgive and let go with loving ease, which is interesting because that's what we started with is forgiving ourselves for whatever thoughts we might have that don't represent the most empowered and connected version of ourselves. Yeah, I love that card so much. And I I do feel like forgiveness as well as gratitude are two of the most important spiritual practices, I would say. And 
you know, I, I get a lot of different comments from different people, both in person and online about the moon deck. And for some people, they're like, I want to get into it, but I'm not comfortable with like the word prayer or the, or, you know, or, or like, I don't really have a spiritual practice or some people do and they sort of drifted away and want to come back into it. So for me, it's like not getting hung up on the words. And that's why I feel like a spiritual practice, if they don't want to use the word God or prayer or for whatever reason, whatever words do or don't work for someone that to me, a spiritual practice is simply a willingness to grow. And like love that. That's becoming a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's so, it's like, that's what's kept me on track. And again, not every day is perfect. And I do feel things deeply. And so I need these tools to come back to. And forgiveness, coming back to that card, is one of the key things I just went through a couple of the hardest. It was really the last year and a half has been, I think I shared with you in person, the very, very tough time for me and also a very beautiful time. And I'll just share briefly to not be so cryptic. So the last year and a half, I, I've lived in New York for 18 years. Somehow you and I did not meet in those 18 years that I, I was there. We were messaging <laughs> and I meant to come to your classes at Kula Yoga, but it just somehow never happened. I know. It's so funny. We were meant to connect when we did. <laughs> exactly. And I was born and raised in LA. So I've been living here a year now. And what got me here is that I'm going through a divorce. I'm kind of in the final stages of that. And that the within the four or five months that I moved out of that home, my mom also passed away unexpectedly. And so within, I'd say six months, that was a, a pretty heavy dose of loss and trauma, you know, like we, there's trauma still happens later in life. You know, I think I had my fair share growing up, but I, it's like, I think we just are better equipped to handle it and heal through it. And like, for me that year and a half, and on top of that, Andy, who's the illustrator of the deck and my super best friend and business partner, she also got diagnosed with breast cancer last fall. She's on the other side of that now, thankfully, but it's just been like such a crazy time of so much change and so much intensity and so much mystery and so much of not knowing the answer. <laughs> so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's been painful. And it's also been extremely beautiful. And I'm like stepping into myself again. It's like parts of me that sort of fell asleep or went dormant in that relationship are sort of, and it's no one's fault. It's just what happened. It's just like reawakening. And then other parts of me are like dying off and new parts of me are being born. And it's been really cool and beautiful to navigate mixed with like a lot of raw emotion and difficult reflection that I've had to look at because I was like, this is so freaking intense and painful. Like I have to make it worth it. <laughs> like, I don't want to go through this mm. just to go through it again. Like this feels like one of the dark nights of my soul. Like it needs to be worth it. I, what can I learn from this? I want to learn as much as possible. Mm. And again, some days were easier than others, but there was times where I was just crying like so deeply and talking about self-judgment, like moments where I was like, gosh, I'm still healing. Like so frustrated. You know, I kind of judged my process. And then I had this like very cool moment where I paused in that moment of crying, like literally give you a visual, like on my bed, crying, sobbing. And I just softened. And I was like, just let it move through you. Just feel it. Like, what is this feeling? Like, let it move through you. And just like everything softened. And I just allowed it to happen. And it was such a different experience compared to like tensing to it and judging it and like corking the flow, you know? And so again, this all comes back to that forgiveness card. It's been a process of forgiving myself for the mistakes I made. I had some tough lessons to learn, forgiving the other for the ways that I feel without getting too personal in that, just the ways I feel that they didn't show up and, you know, what things that go down in a relationship like that, just there's, there was a lot that I need to forgive. And I'm still working on the final pieces of, of truly letting go and forgiving. And 
not judging that process. And even like, I know a lot of people, myself included, there's a lot of forgiveness work to do with our families and maybe even institutions, like being a part of a platform and it didn't work out a certain way. So I, I have a, I'm very, very blessed with my older brother, Sean, who I have a few siblings and they're, we're all really tight. Um, but my older brother in particular, him and I grew up with a bit more of the same world. And my little brother and sister grew up with kind of a different world. So him and I are cut from the same cloth and we just get each other. And he's been an incredible teacher and reflector to me through all of this. He's six years older than me. And so he's really helped me look honestly at the resentments that I carry and how toxic it is. And that forgiveness card is so important for all of us to first forgive ourselves and look at that honestly. And it might be a hard day with what we see and like be will or a hard moment or whatever it is and be like, wow, that's, that's ugly. I don't like that. I don't want to show up that way. That hurt me and the other person. I don't want to keep doing that, you know, and, and then also working on the resentments that we're carrying towards others, whether that's a resentment we've been holding for 30 years or three days. And we don't need to rush the process. We don't need to judge it, but just to like activate it, to like look at it honestly and not let the bitterness keep building because it really is just so toxic. And I feel like bitterness and resentment is almost like I imagine it like a vapor that just sort of oozes into all areas of our life. It affects our self-worth, which then affects who we give authority to in our life, the opportunities that do or don't come, like you know, things that we, you know, it just, it, it kind of like, there's a magnet energy to that, that can like deflect or bring in good or bad things. So I just, I feel like it goes everywhere. It's like the opportunities, our self-worth, the strange rules and boundaries we set on new people in our life based on old stuff that like they never will measure up to. It's just, you know, and it, it can also affect like how we charge for our services, you know, understanding our purpose in the world you know, how we show up to a new opportunity or relationship that has even a glimmer of a reminder of this old thing that we're still bitter about. It's just, it seeps everywhere. And I, during this whole like retrograde eclipse season that we went through, I, I was kind of like, just I, my one thing, if I could just imagine my whole body clear, a hundred percent clear of bitterness, no bitterness in any cell, like that is freedom. <laughs> that would just be so That's cool. Powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. And it's like we think of bitterness or frustration or holding on to something against another human being as something that we're holding against them. But really, on an energetic level, it's against ourselves because we're the ones carrying it. And I think what you're bringing up is just so extremely important because by holding that in, we're intoxicating our own bodies. And every day we carry it around and it spills over. And what I'm curious about, you know, you mentioned that our personal state affects our business and everything we do for both for you and for I, probably for a lot of people listening. When you align your purpose with your work more and more in this world, it just all becomes this one body, right? <laughs> so with you moving through all these big things that have been happening with you in the past couple of years, how has that affected your business and how you show up? Because thinking about myself, I would probably just want to take a year off and go to India and process it. But, you know, we need to pay rent. We need to exist in the world, maintain relationships, run a business. So how have you found your way in balancing those? Well, for one, leaving New York, putting my things in storage and coming to LA was a bit of like a, woo, like a nice fresh start. I actually have, to be honest, a little inner conflict about not having gotten get up and go to Bali. <laughs> 
I still, it's like a place I still want to go. It's this place that's called me. And a part of me feels like I might've should have done that last summer, what you're suggesting, because now like the roots are growing stronger again in LA and work's getting busy. And of course, trusting that all is in the right time. And I think in some ways, as much as I'm like, oh, that would have been nice to just like go to Bali and dive into like deep soul searching and healing. At the same time, I, there was so much taken at once and so much like a lack of stability in my life at that point that I think I needed that like stable place to drop into for my healing process. And, you know, I came to LA where a lot of my family is. So that was really supportive and work, thankfully never really slowed down. Like I definitely probably pulled back a little bit on certain days and and my team was super supportive. We have a really supportive team with the moon deck and, and just thankfully it was like with everything else falling apart, the moon deck was still going strong. And I think that was definitely my lifeline in a lot of ways. And it gave me something to show up for it. I had a great team, as I mentioned, it's just, yeah. And, and I do have to say showing up and teaching my yoga classes at the time was so hard. <laughs> like I, only- I just basically stood against a wall at the back of the room. Like, and then if I, I tend to, I make my own music playlists and they're usually very like either electronic music or very orchestral cinematic kind of stuff. And some of my songs are very like emotive and I would just be like, ah, I'd want to just start like crying <laughs> during mm. teaching. It, it was really hard. And yeah, it was, it's, I still think I need that trip that you mentioned. I think that's coming. I, you know, it's, it's funny to bring that up now because it is like a question that I've been having recently of, of. I feel so inspired in some ways and things are moving forward. And and it's been such a huge blessing being in LA. Like the sun has been so nourishing for me after New York for 18 years. I go on hikes a few times a week. I've, it's been really comforting being here, probably partly because I grew up here. And when I go to New York now, I love going, but it's becoming clearer and clearer that it's no longer my home. So I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know if that answers your question. I, I think that trip still needs to happen, this sort of deep dive into the soul without the sort of like, you know, unplugging essentially. And I plan on giving myself that in January. That's my plan is like, I'm in the middle of a program right now that I'm a student in and there's a lot going on with the deck. So that's kind of my big plan is to take a couple months and to really build that into my lifestyle as well. From the outside, it's like, I'm always traveling and I'm always doing it, but I'm always working. I'm teaching a retreat or I'm, you know, vending an event and it's an amazing way to work. I'm still enjoying my time there and have more time off than being in the daily grind in a city. But it's, you know, to really unplug and go deeper into my studies and, you know, go deeper into my spiritual work and reactivate certain levels of my creativity is so important and something I am actually currently craving. So yeah, it's a little bit of everything. And like I said, it's, it, at the same time, the business was my lifeline and coming to LA was very nourishing at the time. It's like unplugging from work and maybe a little bit of social media, but really replugging to who we are and why we're here. That's how taking those deep dives and going retreats and intense workshops feels like for me, right? Yeah, it's like, I think we really in the work that we do, and probably a lot of the work that listeners do, it's, it's, I just was doing something with an event recently, and I was giving a little mini reading to this girl. And and she was, she's doing this incredible work with women. And she was really resisting like showing up for herself with this one practice a week and the details aren't so important, but I was kind of like, well, that's, that is your work to, to fill yourself up and 
then show up to all these people who are wanting to receive your medicine. Like that is, that's just as important as a meeting. It's just as important as showing up for your client or, you know, whatever it is. It's like really building that in as an essential piece of your business, an essential piece of the company, Mm. I think is so crucial. Totally. So speaking of medicine, what is your medicine? How would you describe it? And how did you come into being in the power of it? Hmm. What is my medicine and how would I describe it? I would say that I think that my honesty is a piece of that. Being able to be really honest with people, a big goal of mine as a teacher for so many years has always been to be approachable and not put myself on a pedestal and be grounded in my approach to these conversations, grounded and accessible. You know, I'm okay speaking to someone and changing the language around a little bit if I need to, because I know the the sort of heart of what I want to get at. And so I think that's a skill to be to be sensitive enough and intuitive enough that we can read people and feel people and adjust ourselves or, you know, adapt ourselves accordingly. It's again, something I'm, I'm always working on. I'm learning how to shape energy even more. But I think something that's been with me ever since I was little, you know, I think we all have something if we think of ourselves since we were young, that's kind of always been there aspects of ourselves through thick and thin, through aspects of ourselves coming to life or falling asleep and then reawakening, that there's always this thread that stays with us. And for me, I think that thread is and was a sensitivity and an intuition and a connection to spirit. That's just something that's always been with me since I was little. And sometimes it's been more aligned and alive than others, but I always come back to it. It's always the thing. I, I want I, I so deeply have wanted to be in right relationship with my body and right relationship with my spirit. So going through my sort of personal dark nights of the soul has gotten me to a place where I can share that with people. And I can take a lot from like, if someone's going through something, nothing, not too much surprises me. And that's probably partly because of what I grew up with and the things that I experienced and the the level of healing that I've gone through personally, which of course is a work in progress still. But I think it's that capacity to having had my own experiences that have formed my wisdom and then to be able to share that with others in a way that is honest and and present. So I think that that's definitely the medicine and and, and helping people guide people to ritualize emotional health and ritualize their self-love practices. And in a world where there's like so much chaos right now and like so many causes that we can be a part of, I'm totally overwhelmed by it. I'm just like, ah, where do I put my attention and should I pivot my message? And, you know, and then I'm like, you know what? Like that doesn't feel true to me either because it doesn't mean that this other stuff's any less important. Like being emotionally healthy and connected to our spirit and, and, and having practices that keep us centered is just as important as it ever was amidst all the other things going on right now and all the other themes that we could be diving into right now. Hmm. I'm curious, you know, you say emotional health. I think about my story with emotional health and I grew up thinking that I'm not emotional, but the truth is, hmm. was that I was just holding it in and I didn't know that I could express them until I did this retreat called Path of Love that I'm going to link to a YouTube video about based on Osho's teachings where I learned to scream, to rage, to express every spectrum of emotion and learning that 
to be a very healing practice for me and, and to really connect emotions in my spirit body and my physical body and go and bring them everywhere I go. And to me, that's emotional health is not holding on to anything. I'm curious how you define emotional health. What is it for you? Yeah, I have a question for you too before I dive into that. Is that something that you, like, do you feel like you're living that way now since that workshop? The door is definitely open. I'm still learning how to express it, but, you know, I used to not express it at all. And now it's maybe 95%. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. been an enormous difference for sure in every area of my life. Yeah, I love that. I think I'm similar in the sense of always learning how to navigate the emotions and express them honestly. I agree with you that that is emotional health to be comfortable with our full range of feelings, to be a real hu- to like let ourselves be a real human being with real feelings is so needed on the planet right now and then to be grounded and embodied in that. And I always say like, you know, feeling deeply and being really sensitive is our superpower. We don't have to bottle it up. And it's those practices that then ground us enough and like get us in our body so that we can feel and be sensitive without getting spun out. So I think emotional health, I would agree that it's the ability or the willingness to explore the full range and not cap certain emotions because it's uncomfortable and start to learn how to expand our range of what we allow ourselves to feel. And I also think that emotional health is an ability to to be present, like quite simply. I know for me, I can get really anxious. Sometimes I have a lot of energy in me. I can deal with anxiety and overwhelm pretty quickly. And so my ability to not just be taken by that wave and then as a result, get reactive or shut down or whatever the result might be to slow down and to be, have an awareness. Like I think awareness is emotional health to have the awareness to be like, take a breath, like just broaden my inner body a little bit, just like widen, broaden, like just soften and not contract is a huge thing for me. And when I do that, I'm more, I'm more present to like, what's going to come out of my mouth next, you know, or, or am I going to respond to the situation yet? Or just pause before I do respond. It just, it, it, you know, I think that slowing down is such a huge piece of emotional health because it eliminates a lot of the drama. If we're really reactive and sparking off our sort of more emotional instincts that are based in things that might not really be true for us anymore, you know, then we might project too far into the future or jump ahead in a projection on somebody or say the wrong thing or not, not really pause and be present. And I know that if I walk into a situation or a conversation, if I am present and really listening, which is a huge practice for me, then whatever the outcome of that situation is, I can trust it because I know I was present. Whereas if I show up and I'm like, kind of like, in my anxiety or whatever, then I might not feel as comfortable with the outcomes. I was like, oh, I wasn't, I didn't feel like fully myself in that moment. I was nervous or anxious or not present really is what it all boils down to. Right. So I, yeah. So I think presence, allowing that emotional range, like you said, because some emotions are, I consider myself a pretty emotional person, but if I'm really honest with you and myself, like there are certain emotions that I'm not comfortable with that start to build up inside into we're back at that resentment and things like that when I don't express those things. And that doesn't always have to be face to face with someone, you know, maybe it's in my journal or maybe it's with someone who, who gets me, who I can speak to and they can help reshape that perspective. I think asking for help and asking for support is really important. And that's something I hugely learned in the last year and a half. Mm. And there's a lot of talk about self-care in our wellness culture right now. And, you know, I was thinking, what is the difference between self-care and emotional health. And I think for me, it is 
that self-care is more of the actions and the outward things and, and practices we can do to give us the access to the internal, more emotional health, right? Yeah, I do love that. Yeah, I, I think that the self-care pieces, the rituals, and I always say the rituals can be from the mundane to the mystical. It's like down from like making your bed every morning and flossing your teeth to sitting at your altar and lighting a candle and journaling. All of these things are rituals that give us the space to be emotionally well and mentally well. That said, if we're if we're just doing these like if you know, I've I've been in this world of health for a very very long time and have had have journeyed through every possible diet and every possible community and like all these things and I've loved it and it's informed me hugely and it's the foundation of everything that I do now. And at the same time, I do see in these worlds sometimes, I think it's changing a little bit, but I do see that like on the outside we're doing everything perfect, but on the inside not so happy. And so the self-care piece is huge, like showing up and doing these external things and keeping our space beautiful. I think it helps a hundred percent. But if we're not exploring honest self-discovery within, I, I don't, those other things are just sort of, you know, glossy pages in some way. And I think they have to go hand in hand, that internal work, the external work, the rituals and self-care habits that we develop, which are great. We want those because those are with us for life the how we show up in relationships with people we love or not show up. I think all of that is a piece of the lifestyle. All of that is, is, is an important part of it. Totally. Oh my gosh, you put it so well. Hey guys, are you enjoying this conversation? Then definitely jump over to the next episode, which is part two of this conversation where we talk more about business and so many things that go behind being a person that is spiritual, that is emotionally sensitive and intuitive, and how to find balance between your spiritual path and your business and relationship with money and a lot of other very exciting things. So thanks for being here with me and jump over to part two of this conversation in the next episode. And as always, let me know what you think by DMing me on Instagram at Woke and Wired or on Twitter. I've been into Twitter lately. Enjoy. Enjoy.